The Catholic Church is one of the largest non-governmental owners of land in the entire world, which is kind of weird to think about when you consider that the church basically started out with 12 guys and the clothes on their backs. And as you'd imagine, it's not just church buildings or cathedrals. Hospitals, monasteries, convents, farms, schools, forests, even a few dubiously purchased apartment buildings. You name it. But a lot of that land, a lot of that land, isn't serving the church's mission. Whether that be because it's underutilized and being used for some purpose that's not ideal or not optimal, or perhaps the use it does have is bad for the environment. Or maybe it's simply not being used at all and gobbling up maintenance costs vacant. Of course, there is a lot of land out there that the church doesn't own, but nevertheless, the Catholic Church is a global entity, and every inch of the Earth's surface, and arguably even the surface of the moon, falls under the jurisdiction of a diocese, each of which is led by a bishop. You would think that something as basic as the geographical boundaries of the world's dioceses would be carefully drawn out and mapped, perhaps in some vault in the Vatican, or in some modern, high-techy way at the Vatican Observatory. But... I went to Rome because I thought there's absolutely no way that we are operating as a global church without any global vision of our presence. And to my surprise, that did turn out to be the case. This is Molly Burhans. For the last several years, Molly has been developing interactive maps of the global Catholic Church with the goal of making the church more sustainable and more effective at her mission. I am a Catholic cartographer and founder and executive director of Goodlands, which helps communities make their property and their land work for mission and their own financial targets and goals. Molly has long considered herself an activist. She says she first learned about the power of land early on, growing up in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo was kind of like Detroit when I grew up there. I mean, houses were, you could get one for a dollar from the city. And I remember going to school, we'd pass down through this kind of, you know, decrepit neighborhood. And every day, it seemed, another house was knocked down. <laughs> so... You know, we grew up with urban prairies and an abundance of unused space, but also just living in this total potential. I saw that property could change people, transform people and transform communities. Molly's Catholic faith really came alive when she was a young adult, and at one point she even considered religious life. It was while at a convent during her discernment process that Molly saw firsthand the problems and opportunities that the church's vast land ownership could bring. The convent in question owned a lot of land, too much to really care for it all in the best way possible. I thought, gosh, if they, they have all this underused land, I'd see so much potential. I see that their forests could actually, with a good management plan, could help support them financially, but also increase the ecological health of, of the whole landscape and watershed. I also saw the vast lawn. You know, you see these vast lawns. I thought, you know, this could be growing food. This could be doing so much. Molly didn't ultimately join the convent, but the lessons she learned about land management stuck with her. She wanted to help. I'd go off and I'd go to school to study and get a master's to be able to come back to them and help. Um, well, what I discovered there was there was a lot more help that was needed for the church. 
While she was in grad school in Massachusetts, Molly figured out how to create a map of a city in Maine with data related to pollinators. I did a computational analysis of pollinator habitat um, for over 30,000 parcels of the city, the entire city of Portland, Maine. Every single parcel, I figured out where they don't have built space, where they don't have, you know, where they have pretty much open space that they could implement a no-mow, so stop mowing, uh, regime in a way that created urban habitat quarters with integrity. And I didn't realize, I thought it was kind of rudimentary, but apparently it was pretty amazing. So then that got her gears turning. When I did that, I went, oh, wow, we could do this with Catholic property. If I can do this with 30,000 individual parcels, why don't I do this with a whole diocese properties, you know, or a whole religious order? She chatted with her mentor at the time, Jill Conway, about the idea. She later wrote about the conversation with Jill, who has since passed away, in a journal entry. My assumption that the idea that sustainable Catholic land stewardship was much too large for me to genuinely pursue was challenged by her. Secretly in my heart, I quietly feel like I would actually give up almost everything to see a revolution in Catholic land planning and design happen. After the break, how Molly brought her vision of Catholic land planning to life. And what I learned was that the digital transformation of the church hadn't really even started. Stay with us. Hi, this is Autumn Jones. I'm a staff writer here at Catholic News Agency. I'm based in the Denver newsroom and I'm an avid skier and tennis player here in the Rocky Mountains. I love to write about evangelization, apostolates, and how the church serves the most vulnerable in our society. I enjoy listening to CNA Newsroom because I like hearing the voices of the people in our stories come to life. CNA Newsroom gives me a chance to learn about what is important to everyday Catholics as they seek to live out their faith. If you like listening to CNA Newsroom as much as I do, you should do what I did and subscribe. Subscribing is easy and free on whatever podcast app you prefer. Just open the podcast app on your phone, search for CNA Newsroom, and tap the subscribe button. That's it. Now you'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your phone so you won't miss a single one. And while you're there, consider writing us a review or leave us a five-star rating. Ratings and reviews help new listeners find the show. And now, back to the episode. Molly had a vision for what she wanted Goodlands to be, and got a pretty fortunate break when the founders of a major mapping software company, Esri, offered to give her access to their most sophisticated software package for free. Still, at the beginning, in fact for the first several years, Molly wasn't in a position to charge for her services. She did everything pro bono. Molly began cold-calling dioceses, offering to map all the properties they owned. And she ran into a few challenges with that approach. Most dioceses I called, I was expecting them to give me a clean database. First, <laughs> I, as I learned, a diocese doesn't just give you their property records. To make matters worse, most dioceses she contacted had their property records stored in a dusty box in a basement somewhere. So getting them all in order was a lot of work. I learned that many didn't even have an Excel spreadsheet. Goodland's work was groundbreaking, surprisingly so. 
Think about something as simple as a map of every diocese. A map that simply shows the precise boundaries that each diocese has and the diocese's name. That had to exist, right? Molly had sought out the advice of CARA, which is a Catholic research group based at Georgetown University in D.C., to see if perhaps they had a digital map of all the U.S. dioceses. And they did. Kind of. But not really. They had a PDF that showed all the dioceses of the United States. Nothing interactive, and nothing global. There was no global map of anything except for this one on Wikipedia. Totally inaccurate, what we found. It was made in Photoshop by a kid who was 16 and had pretty much painted it on. So that was the only global map of the church. And I thought this was impossible. By this point, Molly had assembled a team of cartographers ready to create the maps that she sought. But still, she had her doubts. Surely the Vatican already had something like this, and maybe they had a good reason not to make the maps public. She didn't want to reinvent the wheel, or worse, step on Pope Francis's toes. I didn't want to go ahead with this project first if the Vatican had it internally, second if the Vatican had it internally and had good reason that I might not know for not releasing it publicly. And God of surprises, we had no idea about our global presence. Today, several years on into the project, along with a team of nearly 3,000 cartographers, Molly and Goodlands have managed to map almost every single piece of church-owned property in the United States. There's an elegant simplicity to what they've done in a way. They've taken those inaccessible, dusty records and turned them into easy-to-understand visual data. The solution we've built for the Catholic Church is a solution for anyone who owns a lot of land, to be honest. The beauty of mapping out everything the church owns is that it allows for better informed decisions about what to do with the church's vast land holdings. We're looking at the ecological reality and the beauty of God's creation there and the history and the potential for future generations. And with a map, the beauty of it is that you can bring these two conversations together and you can say, okay, now I see how ecologically valuable this is. It allows the church's leaders to better use what they have to further the church's mission, she says. Maybe we should just conserve, you know, this corner and compromise and, oh, wow, we own a, a lot that's empty in downtown and it's worth $100 million. How about we sell that instead? A couple of years ago, the Archdiocese of Chicago sold off a large parking lot next to its downtown cathedral, netting tens of millions of dollars. Many dioceses across the country are finding themselves with little choice but to sell off their buildings or land as their coffers begin to run dry amid declining donations, church attendance, and increasingly, abuse lawsuits. The Archdiocese of Santa Fe in New Mexico announced earlier this year that it intends to sell off nearly 800 properties to help pay for legal settlements related to the abuse crisis. You might be thinking, one Catholic Archdiocese owns that many properties? Well, the answer is yes, many more than that, in fact. Many of the properties, at least in Santa Fe's case, are small vacant lots, fields or grazing lands donated to the archdiocese or, more often, donated to individual parishes. The vicar general for the archdiocese told me that each pastor was responsible for determining which properties were essential and which were not. One of the properties, a vacant school in downtown Santa Fe, was listed last year for $3.6 million. The first round of auctions in Santa Fe ended this September. 
That being said, the data that Goodlands has collected is useful for much more than just selling property. They've gathered a lot of information related to environmental concerns. Where it's going to flood, climate change, sea level rise, fire risk, you know, um, these are things that should be considered. More on that in a bit. Molly said Goodlands isn't accepting new clients at the moment, partly because they've been inundated with so many requests from dioceses and other Catholic organizations. The hardest and most intensive part of our work, by far, is making the land records in order. I think it's just that people don't understand how the amount of work that goes into making data, foundational data, and it's so unsexy, you know. It may not be glamorous work, but it's powerful. What we know is that land is both one of the most powerful leverage points for change, but it is also a powerful point of corruption. Uh, And a land record in the U.S., most of them are digital by this point. When you get to a place like India or Lebanon or even Latin America, a land record is that piece of the work, even if you did no analyses or anything, is so powerful. A land record for, say, a Catholic community in Vietnam, um, where I've learned that non-state actors do land grabs and the state turns a blind eye, and the church owns a lot of real estate actually on the coast um, that's primed, so people are just taking it, and then they go to the state and nothing happens. A land record there will enable them to hold that property and bring it up in a court of law. A land record, say, in Nicaragua, if you have people who are migrants fleeing violence, or climate refugees. A land record tied to that person can give them documentation as personhood status. A land record is so powerful. It is what you need to do any of these analyses. The record alone, that record alone is is a powerful piece of, of legal documentation. And of course, as we mentioned, knowing exactly what property the church has at her disposal is not just useful for selling the property. We go in and help a diocese with agriculture, mapping their properties, CRS or some other group or sisters, a religious order, you know, wants to work with that. Or there's all of a sudden a massive outbreak of some disease, you know, and they need more rooms and they need vaccination distribution points. That data alone can multiply its goodness. So it's about making land work for good and multiplying the impact by making data work for good. Goodland's database includes some pretty diverse and fascinating data. For example, they were able to map every diocese on Earth based on its carbon footprint. The results were somewhat surprising. So we calculated the carbon, quote, Catholic carbon footprint globally by using a data set that showed CO2 emissions per diocese. And then we said, okay, this is the number of Catholics in that diocese based on our data. So we can say, the reason why I say Cologne has uh, one of the top 10 Catholic carbon footprints of approximately 7.9 million metric tons um, in, in 2015 of CO2 is because it's got a high number of Catholics and it's got a high carbon footprint. So if a diocese doesn't really have any Catholics and it has a high carbon footprint, that's going to, you know, make it lower on this, if that makes sense. Another interesting map related to ecology is a 3D map of Boston. The Boston Archdiocese sea level rise map 
This scene is a three-dimensional map with all the buildings and topography included um, throughout the diocese. And with that, we flooded it with NOAA-based data about sea level rise. Is the sea going to rise five feet? There are some projections that say yes, but that's a kind of extreme model. But still, what that means is if it rises and, a, say, a storm surge comes, five feet is not much. So we can look at the cathedral, Holy Cross Cathedral. You'll be kayaking to Mass. The Cathedral of the Holy Cross has a high probability of inundation when there is uh, just sea level rise of around five feet. They've also mapped properties most at risk for earthquakes in Los Angeles. As you can imagine, the Vatican has taken notice of Molly's work. Molly met with Pope Francis in 2018 and showed him one of her maps that she had created showing the percentage of Catholics in each diocese of the world. The Pope was intrigued. Soon after the meeting, he invited her to create a new institute of the Vatican dedicated to map making on a six-month trial basis. I actually did get the Pope's approval to establish this on a trial run um, in 2018, summer 2018. If created, this would likely be the first female-founded department at the Vatican. But ultimately, Molly had to turn down that initial offer because it didn't include any funding. I made a counter offer because the trial run for me there was just to make the Vatican maps. I said, no, we need to make the policy here. The infrastructure socially, I imagine it to be kind of like a sister institute to the Vatican Observatory, which has an amazing history. Obviously, the pandemic has slowed down those plans, but it hasn't stopped Molly from garnering more than a half dozen awards from various organizations, most recently the Sierra Club. I guess I had this idealism that maps would be like, oh, we can see our global church, we can see our global brothers and sisters, we can see how beautiful and amazing and diverse this our Catholic family of 1.3 billion people among the human family of God knows how many, what is it, six, seven billion? how amazing this is and we can care about them more deeply we can pray for them we can see their troubles and see what's coming but unfortunately molly has yet to see her maps move people in the way she hoped could a fully fledged cartography institute at the vatican change that it remains to be seen but molly is ready and willing to give it a try the catholic church has an amazing history of cartography once we get structures in place oh i'm so excited to see you know, what's possible, uh, you know, in the next generation of Catholics. A map is worth a million words, if a picture is worth a thousand words, you know. And so when you make land work for good, you have the potential to multiply that through making data work for good. And then further, helping other Catholic organizations, even beyond, you know, work with a, this understanding of what we have, where it is, and realize its potential. This will transform the operations of the Catholic Church. I have little doubt.
CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. I produce and edit this show with the help of our executive producer, Kate Oliveira. A very special thanks to Molly for joining us. And if you want to learn more about Goodlands, visit their website at good-lands.org. If you like listening to CNA Newsroom, please subscribe to our show and leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. See you next time. Thank you.